Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown! Welcome to the Scream Box Technology and Business Rundown Podcast. I, Dave Erickson, and Botan Sedesh are your hosts for this month's exploration of technology and business. For this podcast, we are excited to have Web 3.0 artist Riley Armand to help us understand how NFTs are fueling the digital art revolution and what are the technology and business opportunities that Web 3.0 offers to creators. Riley is a multidisciplinary surreal artist with a background in consulting. She has showcased her art at events like NFT NYC and NFT Expoverse LA. She is currently the founder of OmniCake, which is focused on media consulting for blockchain-based projects, creating art-based experiences, and navigating Web 3.0 in the metaverse. So Riley, please uh, tell us a little bit more about your art and how you got started in Web 3.0 technologies. Absolutely. So I'm Riley Armand, a surreal artist and a consultant. And I have been super excited to share how Web3 has changed my life and can definitely change other creators' lives as well. Alrighty. Well, why don't we why don't we do this? Maybe you can give a little kind of history lesson or background into yourself. How did you even discover Web 3.0? Do you have any kind of IT background, or is your background more art and you kind of discovered it through trying to make art? Uh, can you give us a little bit of, of information on that? Definitely. My background is a little unique. I was actually involved in mathematics. That's what I studied. So it's a little bit like what technology is kind of based on, right? And I was definitely curious to see like what the next new thing in technology was. And you know, in 2015, I visited uh, VRCon and was just really amazed that I saw so many people using VR in a way that wasn't just like video games. Like I talked to doctors who were like, we're gonna use VR to help people understand how drugs work and like very visual things that you wouldn't imagine you just being able to like walk into a heart or just go see it. So I kind of had this light bulb moment like, okay, technology and art are definitely gonna go together. And I can learn more about like, what is the structure of how like blockchain technology is really changing all of this. And for me, the first project that I discovered that was like, wow, I really definitely have to get into this industry was called CryptoKitties in 2017. And I was able to watch like each CryptoKitty be minted like every 15 minutes as it was coming out. And now there's like over 2 million CryptoKitties today. So it has definitely been exploding in popularity as more people discover like, hey, I can own digital assets and trade them. And it's a lot different than owning digital assets in like a regular video game where you might be able to trade it, but definitely not on like an open market or like, hey, I have this really rare sword. Let me trade it to you. <laughs> like, Yeah, that, that, that's definitely one of the challenges that the metaverse is definitely having is people are gaining assets in the metaverse and there is a, inoperability issues between moving an asset from one 
kind of game platform at thing in the metaverse to another and people are struggling with that but it seems like with nfts at least uh that that seems to not really be too much of an issue um when you started getting in you, you started through vr but as you started exploring things like crypto kitty and stuff uh that's when you found out about nfts um maybe you can go in a little bit about I mean, what was it like uh, coming from a mathematics background, trying to figure out development stuff such as blockchain and NFT? Was it difficult for you or what were some of the, the challenges you faced in that? So I like to say that I was like a very early crypto skeptic. Like I heard of Bitcoin when it was maybe like $7 of Bitcoin, but it was all kind of black market trading. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to just invest in all these Bitcoins. So it took me a really long time to be like, okay, no, this is definitely more. It's a growing whole new industry. And I think that's another thing that people haven't really seen the creation of new industries in a very long time. Like maybe the last one that was a whole new industry was either like social media or like nuclear energy so they're definitely innovative and groundbreaking so the people who are in web 3 now like they want to be the ones who are you know change makers like they want to physically be there and like make their own projects and build their own you know code and things and i really respect that and i've been you know communicating with a lot of different people and a lot of different backgrounds in the space too so it's not just artists right it's not just coders and i think that's what also makes it very special the NFT market is interesting in the sense that it's gotten some news recently about, you know, some very uh, large prices for, quote, NFTs. Yeah. You know, everyone calls it NFT. It's non-fungible tokens. Can you maybe explain a little bit about how NFTs work or how, what, what's that connection between an NFT and art? Yeah, absolutely. So a non-fungible token just means that it's like indivisible or, you know, we know who owns it, right? We can't like change who owns it without doing a verified blockchain transaction, basically. I think the first thing anyone thinks about is the art itself. And I would love to defend that art is a utility because, as an artist, but of course other investors might want more utility than just like an artist statement perhaps. Mm -hmm. So I think the interesting thing about blockchain technology is once you have an NFT, you can start to add more utility to that over time. Like you can develop a software that says, okay, now anyone who owns my NFT now has access to this software. And that doesn't have to be available like on day one when you mint your NFT, right? So a lot of developers will just keep adding to their community over time. And I think that's how we've seen like Yuga Labs become so popular with uh, the Bored Apes and why they're so expensive today is because people really believe in the value of the community, the value of like they're developing for that other side, Meta, right? And Yuga Labs. And they believe in the IP right behind the products. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. You can just instantly buy IP transfers with NFTs, and that was not really very common. Like, you couldn't really instantly buy IP rights in just random marketplaces before, I would say, Web3. Interesting. What kind of IP rights are you talking about? Is this like the right to the art, or is this like you can have anything that is IP, such as a, uh, I don't know, a patent attached to a, a, an NFT? Uh, and you can buy the yeah. NFT or the patent through the NFT, something like that. Or maybe you can explain a little bit of that. 
Absolutely. So I'll just say as a disclaimer, assume that an NFT does not come with IP rights unless it's explicitly given to you. So there are a few projects that definitely explicitly give you IP rights. CryptoKitties is one of them, although theirs is like a limited IP rights. Like if you make more than 100K a year, you have to start paying them money. But other, um, you know, founders or other projects don't really have that restriction. Like Yuga Labs, they just give you the IP rights like it's yours. But if you bought an NFT that somebody used the IP rights for, let's say they sold it to Old Navy, which has actually happened, then if you rebuy that NFT on the market, it's already it already has contracts associated with it as well. So if you have like IP rights attached to an NFT, that definitely changes how it is going forward. And then it was like actually very scandalous when the Moonbirds decided they were just gonna COO and be like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Anyone can use anything. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like only holders, like you can see and be like, all right, it's creative. You can use it no, no matter what. You don't have to own it. But the holders in the community did not respond positively to that. So I would say like, if you're looking at NFT rights as like something you're really interested in investing in, I would say, look at those contracts and then have a lawyer look at them as well, okay. <laughs> for sure. Probably good advice. Yeah. So. But there are a lot of utilities, right? It doesn't have to be just art, of course. Okay. Well, that, that kind of brings me back a little bit, you know, everyone seems to have a very different definition of what Web 3.0 is. Yeah. So I'm going to ask our trick question of the podcast. Um, what's your definition of Web 3.0? So when I talk about like Web3, Web3.0, I always think about it as like stages of the Internet's development. It doesn't necessarily mean like, OK, it's all just NFTs. I think like Web0 is really just the development of the early Internet and getting computers into people's hands. And then Web2 is kind of what we saw after, you know, people have had computers in their lives, influencing their work and seeing how like social media has changed over from like 2000 to 2010. Like a lot of people would consider that like the really strong, like growing web two times. And I don't think that we're out of web two yet. We're kind of in like web two and a half to three, but like people are really looking at this idea of decentralization and owning that like we create the content, right? A lot of web two ideas is that you just post it on the internet and then somebody who owns that website, right? Has to now curate that. But the blockchain is curated by you. So <laughs> that's ultimately, I think, the difference. So would you say that uh, Web 3.0 is really about you owning and managing your own content? Yeah, as kind of like a response to internet culture. I, I would say like all of like the Web 0, 1, 2, like you're really talking about how is the internet culture of that time? Or you've mentioned AR, VR, NFTs, blockchains. Did I leave out anything or is there other things you would consider Web 3.0? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people really respond to like Discord and Twitter and those are very like Web 2. So I think even like Web 3 people are still heavily using Web 2 social media platforms. So I think in the future we could even see maybe a Web 3 company try to become the next Twitter or Facebook like to compete with that. Web 3.0 and the metaverse are connected. And, and the most obvious connection is that of VR. Uh, you know, when people talk about the metaverse, uh, there's always a picture of some gamer with a headset on covering his eyes. And that seems to be the picture that's used anytime they have an article about the metaverse. 
what what do you think is the the connection between web 3.0 and the metaverse and and what are your thoughts about how those web 3.0 technologies connect with the metaverse and and are going to i don't know fuel the growth of the metaverse maybe yeah i think honestly the metaverse has probably existed in some form like even earlier than what we're seeing now like a lot of people really loved second life or a lot of people really love the sims like it's been very popular to create like these kind of digital worlds and i think that you know we're just seeing people want to explore more digital worlds <laughs> i think i've heard a lot of comments about you know the zuckerberg metaverse being like it looks kind of bland and boring like why aren't i being able to go through a sky jungle <laughs> like something that really doesn't exist something that's really going to push your creativity that I think will be a true metaverse but also if you have you know just your home like I want to be able to create my VR galleries and things like that I've definitely used the metaverse to showcase art or create experiences where we're all in an art room together like maybe for an auction or something and it's it's very interesting to be able to create these like digital experiences that kind of mimic like reality I was in the gaming industry. I remember working with a bunch of Second uh, Life and Simverse, and there's even uh, an organization that built their own planets, and you know you could buy land in the planet. And this is long before the metaverse was coined as a phrase. Uh, and you know, Facebook, I guess, in a sense, is kind of. Uh, co-opted the metaverse by calling it the metaverse and then calling themselves right, meta, yeah. right? They basically said, we are the metaverse, but the metaverse is actually much larger than just Facebook's participation. Obviously, Facebook is looking to build a business model in which they control a lot of aspects of Web 3.0 through their, their definition of the metaverse. Uh, but you, you kind of brought up some interesting points uh, in saying that, you know, they've made some ways of participating or building or being part of a metaverse uh, easier. So setting up, like you said, a room to showcase your art or somebody who has an e-commerce store setting up a, a store that that shows the items they're selling on their 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 e-commerce website and making those connections so you can purchase that stuff, I'm sure that has a lot of advantages to people. Um, how easy do you think it is for someone who is, say, an, uh, an artist who says, I want to start you know, producing NFTs and making my art something that people can own and putting together a room in the, the, the metaverse? Maybe you can talk a little bit about what is that process or how difficult it is for somebody to do that. Is there a big learning curve or is it easy? Give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that once you decide, like, I want to start putting art on the blockchain or music or whatever it is, you have to start asking yourself, okay, is it going to be a one of one? Is it going to be an addition? Like, how am I going to structure this? And how am I going to structure the community? Basically, I think once you decide, it's, it's basically like creating a whole new business. And really as an artist some artists are going to like rise to that challenge and they're going to be like i want to find this new digital community and really interact with them but i think some artists are going to probably look for you know something closer to like a web3 manager <laughs> even so that they can focus on the art because it is definitely bigger than just um 
you know, getting on a Twitter space and being like, hey, I like NFTs. We're all going to make it. <laughs> or like, There's a lot of research. And I would say if I'm going to, you know, say to an artist friend of mine, like, hey, you should get on, you know, the blockchain. I want to make sure that they're safe. It does take a lot of education to be like, okay, what is a scam link? How do I know that someone might be trying to fish for my wallet info or like, how do I protect my seed phrase? There is a lot of information that you should start to research before you ever really like actually officially put something on the chain. But I would say the advantage to doing all of that research is you could build in public. You can say, hey, I don't know anything about NFTs, but I want to learn. And you could make a video about that and have people watch your whole journey of knowing nothing about NFTs to creating your first NFT. And I've seen a lot of people have success that way because they're telling their story uniquely and they're not afraid to be like, I don't know this information. Let me like, let's learn together. So Riley, if you don't mind, I would like to circle back a little bit to the IP rights uh, part of the discussion, because that's one thing I know it's, it's a really a hot topic these days. It's one of the things I'm yeah. actually interested in. So it's something that, uh, as far as I know, multiple companies are pursuing. They are trying to sell different, uh, not even IP rights, but just uh, P rights, so property rights. That's uh, one thing people are working on. Since I uh, don't really follow this uh, space very closely, I was wondering if you heard uh, anything about the general state of things. Like, is this uh, becoming common? Is it uh, being accepted into into law, or or are we a long way off from that? But, uh, what is your opinion? Yeah. I think it totally depends on where you are. I know the US is definitely looking at like, how do we regulate this a little bit further? But um, who knows about that? I think that when you're looking at like property, one, make sure that it's property in the real world, not a metaverse, <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> or if you're looking for property in a metaverse, like how many people go to that metaverse and like, is that gonna be worth your ad or you know revenue space? But in terms of yeah, like actual property rights, there are companies that are you know creating like actual. You can list your real estate with us, and we will accept Bitcoin <laughs> things to help you because a lot of people who are like Bitcoin millionaires, they might not know how to offer a property owner like <laughs> cryptocurrency and things. So I think that there are. Um, Definitely like in-betweens for people who are having like traditional Web2 businesses to like trying to move into Web3 as well. I mean, you mentioned something really important is uh, property in the metaverse. And that's... Yeah. That is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I do understand the, the attraction of owning a certain property. So I'm a, I'm okay. a bit, a tiny bit against the uh, digital scarcity uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. So... I, um, I know that one of the big things or the big selling points of NFTs is that they are indivisible. They are one uh, yeah. unit and they cannot be shared. Uh, do you think that uh, there is a future to sharing NFTs, even like, <laughs> family sharing of some sort? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, fractionalized NFTs are also still being like developed. They have a little bit of issues because usually like you need to store it in like a multi-signature wallet versus like a single signature wallet. That's what I mean. Once you start getting into NFTs, it's like, okay, what kind of wallet <laughs> do I need to use? There's a lot of coding because basically each NFT is its own computer program. So All right. you can put a lot of different utility into it. Ah, speaking of wallets, like uh, what kind of wallets do we yeah. need? Because um, I have a ledger, right? 
that's a good <laughs> yes but can i store any nfts on it or yeah so i have a ledger as well basically how ledger works is each little blockchain is kind of like an app on their blockchain apps so as long as you send it to the right address you should be able to store your like ethereum or solana nfts on a ledger just fine okay so let's pretend i don't understand this at all because i don't <laughs> So oh, okay. yeah, for sure. uh, when I buy an NFT, what what am I uh, buying? Let's say an Ethereum NFT. Yeah. So I mean, it really depends on what each NFT is. So like, let's say you buy like Snoop Dogg's NFT. Right. He has given you the rights to you know remix that song, that NFT song, however you want, mm -hmm. right? It, it really depends. Like an independent artist like myself, you're probably just buying the art, the access to the community or things of that nature. But like if you're buying from, you know, a company that's like, hey, if you give us, um, if you hold our NFT, we'll let you use our tax software at the end of the year. We'll go through all of your transactions and let you know, like, okay, this is what matches up. So there's a lot of different use cases of why you might actually like want to hold an NFT versus just trading it as well. So CryptoKitties. Uh... That's been yes. a long time I heard about that project. A really long time. Uh, how is it going these days? Is it? Uh... Um, you know, I think Dapper Labs is hiring. I don't know if they're going to do something kind of unique and special, but I would love to see them, you know, come back because some of the older NFT projects, like they're not, you know, as active like the Moon Cats or the Crypto Kitties. But I would love to see that like historical NFT resurgence, especially after these like post-merge, pre-merge NFTs. Like that's a new defining factor that just happened. So I think there's a lot of history that keeps happening. What do you think about the, the Bored Apes NFTs? Yeah, I think that they're very interesting. I don't know why the other side land is so low right now. I mean, it's a bear market, obviously, and there isn't an other side for us to go hang out in. But I think that it will definitely have a strong candidacy to becoming like some people's first metaverse for sure. And uh, I know a lot of people were upset at the like Eminem Snoop Dogg performance that was like the Board 8 performance, but I thought it looked like a Yuga Labs commercial. Like it looked very on brand with what they showed the trailer to be. So I think that they worked pretty closely with them, honestly. <laughs> I, I never even heard about that. So was there a concert only for the NFT holders? Is, is that uh, no, it was at the VMAs, actually. Oh. So I think that they're trying to do a lot of experiences with NFTs to people who are not familiar at all. So they were at like the New York Fashion Week to give away like Rove NFTs and, you know, the VMAs had an NFT performance now. So you'll start seeing it around, like definitely. Oh, nice. uh, speaking of digital artists, uh, so yeah. I do remember that uh, Deadmau5 released an NFT. And one of, the, yeah. one of the draws of that NFT is supposedly in the metaverse, when it exists, wherever it exists, uh, we're going to get a uh, custom uh, specialized dead mouse um, head. Oh, yeah. Um, there is definitely an NFT game that there is a dead mouse hat in. I can't remember the name right now, but it's very close to like Fall Guy. It's not Fall Guys, mm -hmm. but it's very close to Fall Guys <laughs> not fall in guys. that sort of way. So not Fall Guys. <laughs> kind of similar gameplay, though. Right. I think it's Lol Beans, Lol Beans, something. I don't know. I, I'm so sorry. But yeah, there's a lot of different, you know, collaborations that are happening within like you know, really big names that are trying to enter the space as well. Like, uh, you know, Tiffany's just did a CryptoPunks collaboration to create like custom necklaces for each punk. I, I think it's very interesting to see how brands are 
entering the space in a very conscious way. Like uh, Playboy actually had a very interesting insight into the metaverse. They first started with like their own original, like older photographs. And they're like, hey, these are historical Playboy photographs. And then they created like a more traditional PFP project. So they're kind of doing both, which is interesting. Oh, that's cool. Like, I do remember someone saw their first tweet as an NFT. Yeah, no. And then some. they tried to sell it again and it didn't work out at all. <laughs> like... One of the funniest stories I, I ever heard about NFTs is, I don't remember who, but uh, someone in Hollywood, right, bought something like uh, 20 board tapes. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to make a series with these 20 board tapes. It's going to be an animated series. And then some phishing scam actually stole all of those from him. <laughs> and he tried to buy back, buy them back. So I was wondering if, uh, you know, one of the things we know about Bitcoin and one of the reasons that uh, not only people, but the authorities love Bitcoin is that it's fully traceable. Even though we have these um, Bitcoin laundering things, it's only a matter of time until every transaction is uh, traced back to its original owner. And that is uh, something I was wondering about. So there's obviously, uh, maybe not property theft, but theft in general. So if mm -hmm. uh, that happens, I wonder if there we have any controls in place so that someone can effectively uh, refund the purchase. I'll, I'll be completely honest, I, I'm yeah. totally in the, black, <laughs> in the dark about this. I have no idea how these open markets work. But is, is that a thing? Should that be a thing? As it stands right now, like, I, I agree with you, it should be a thing, but the only NFTs that I've heard of, like, having a full refund, like, if you want, are the NFTs that you buy with credit cards, which basically set up a wallet for you. If you buy an NFT with a credit card, like, they create your own wallet, so you don't really have to worry about that. You can usually, like, transfer the NFT out of that wallet as well, but... If they are guaranteeing it, like just how blockchain technology works, like usually you can't like reverse the transaction like that if the block is verified. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's no way of reversing any transactions. I mean, if there were, it would right. not be traceable. That would be the huge, the biggest security hole. I, I wish there were, but yeah, I agree with you. There, I think, are a lot of people that are gonna be, you know, hunted down from their <laughs> transactions for sure. <laughs> Traditionally, we buy Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum from miners, right? Mm -hmm. And we buy NFTs from minters. Uh, can you explain to a former miner what minting is? Yeah, so as a miner, minting is like another transaction on the blockchain. So you could look at transactions on the blockchain in any way, right? It could just be a transfer from wallet to wallet, but minting would just show up as like another one of those. So I think if you were a miner and all NFTs went away, like you would still get all your mining profits. Just the transactions of the blocks would probably be less, right? Because nobody's minting or buying NFTs. And that's also why gas prices spiked so high last year is because people really wanted NFTs, but Ethereum blockchain couldn't handle it. <laughs> like... Well, now, now there's going to be a glut of graphic cards on the market because I guess Ethereum merged or did something in which it's no longer profitable to mine Ethereum 
uh, has that, what exactly was that? Do you understand what happened and why that's an, an issue or? So yeah, Ethereum merged from like a proof of work to a proof of stake. Basically like Ethereum costed a ton of energy <laughs> to mm-hmm. do anything. And they really wanted to lower that because a lot of their new competitors like Polygon and Solana were like saying, hey, we're a lot more carbon friendly than Ethereum is, right? And they're trying to like gain that market share. but. The Ethereum merge actually went very well, like for what it is to just be so seamless. Like it took a long time, but it went very well. Does that mean that basically uh, crypto mining is kind of uh, run its course and is no longer very profitable? Not necessarily. Proof of stake works differently than like, rather than you get paid because you worked or you validated the block, you get paid because you staked the NFT. So like, uh, or not the NFT, the Ethereum. You need 32 Ethereum to stake. It's a lot. So a lot of people kind of pool to stake with people so that they can access that. 32, yeah. And Solana, you need like $72,000 a year in Solana or something like that to stake. It costs a lot of money to run a stake, but it can be very profitable, especially for like larger projects. So they've, uh, there we have it. You know, uh, mining has been. DeFi is very maddening, (laughs) honestly. It gets bigger every day. (laughs) You used to be able to buy a couple of graphics cards for a couple of thousands. And now to get into into the game, we need... uh, 32 Ethereum, which is multiple tens of thousands. <laughs> well, if you had a graphics card, yeah, like to stake the Ethereum, you need 32. But if you were like, let's say you had less than 32, I would just stake it in a pool, like with other people to get that 32 for sure. So part of the the minting process will be, you know, finding a pool and being part of it, I guess. Um, minting, you know, we talked a little bit about minting for uh, mining, but as an artist, if you were going to put up an NFT uh, of some of your art or create an NFT, do you need to go through the minting process? Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, OpenSea allows you to like lazy mint, which means that you mint it, but it's not really there until the buyer actually actually mints the transaction. So it costs a little bit more for the buyer to do that if you do like a lazy minting process as the creator, but you could definitely pay those transaction fees as the creator if you wanted to. Just out of of curiosity, what does it cost someone to mint uh, an NFT? Is it like, you know, hundreds of dollars, ten dollars, thousands of dollars? Yeah, it's going to depend on when you want to mint the NFT because of how it works with like the popularity, basically. So if you say, I want to mint this NFT the fastest and you just do it, like it'll be in a higher GUI. That's what we call like the gas unit, basically. Or if you're like, I'm okay with it minting slower, just get the transaction done whenever Ethereum can handle it, then it'll like cost you less. And we saw people spending like hundreds of dollars when it was really, really, really popular, very expensive (laughs) pre-merge. So they couldn't really handle the proof of uh, stake as well. And then like, I would say now, if I went to go mint an NFT and it's not really that crazy, it would probably be under like $10 for sure. I got started as an artist with maybe $20. I think it's definitely possible. (laughs) So Maybe you can talk a little bit about that let's focus kind of on the art thing. 
you were a mathematician. You didn't really indicate you were an artist. Did becoming an artist kind of, what was that like transition or journey like? Why, why art? Or was that just something that naturally happened? Or you said to yourself, you know, this is applicable to art. Let me see what kind of art I can create. Yeah. So I've always been an artist as a child, but very discouraged from entering art, like a lot of people. So they just told me, like, do art classes for, like, you know, therapy or fun and things like that. So I ended up being able to try a lot of different mediums because I wasn't like, okay, I have to be perfect at this. So I've done ceramics and painting and, you know, metalwork and a lot of really cool experiences. So I think that when I decided, okay, I'm going to start doing art on the blockchain, I did have a hard time deciding okay what's going to be my first medium or how am I going to get out there and I decided it was photography and then uh, I've done different projects over since I started but yeah like doing painting and things like that has always been very natural to me I just never wanted to put it in a museum like until now <laughs> and in putting your art on an NFT what was your goal when you did that? Why, why were you making your art in NFT? Was there a specific reason or you were using it to kind of learn the technology or, or what? Yeah, I definitely start with just wanting to experiment. I think that was like where I first kind of been like, all right, let's just do it. I'm going to press the mint button <laughs> and who knows what's going to happen, right? And I think that, you know, why NFTs? Why not other things? I just thought it would be really cool to be just a fully native NFT artist. Like some of the artists that I had seen discover, like they had done a lot of art prior to entering the NFT world. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't exactly how I entered. So I get to be very proud and that like I'm a digitally native artist. And then if anyone goes and looks for my pieces, like there aren't really prints, like I didn't put prints available. So I think it's kind of special for like the holders as well. Got it. So if you were an artist and you'd been an artist, you were producing, let's just say paintings, and you were selling yeah. your paintings and, and you said, you know, I want to make my paintings into NFTs to either get more distribution or a different income channel. What's kind of the process that an artist who didn't know anything about NFTs would go through to convert their art into NFTs and put it someplace? Yeah. So any file you can basically make into an NFT. So if I have, you know, an MP3 or a JPEG, like I can definitely turn that into an NFT. And I feel like a lot of traditional artists are already good at kind of digitizing their physical paintings just for social media in general to market. But I think the major thing is if you already have a strong community behind your art, like make sure that they don't already hate NFTs. <laughs> There's a lot of artists who are like, hey, I'm going to start getting into NFTs and then they get like absolute flame wars. And I feel really bad for them because a lot of people are just uninformed and they're like, hey, NFTs mean you stole the art. And they're like, that's not true necessarily. Like some people steal art, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the NFT creator de definitely stole the art because they made an NFT or right. something like that so you know telling people like hey it's 
it's safe. This is not a weird cash grab, like getting people to understand, like, this is really what I want to do with the community and it's special and it matters <laughs> in a way that, you know, helps people who are only physical, traditional artists kind of break into that mold. And I think a lot of people are trying to stay away from the use, like using the word NFT until they like absolutely have to <laughs> as well, just to, you know, help people understand like, hey, if I was able to create a thing that I could get secondary royalties off of if I sold it. And they're like, oh, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> you have to get people to talk about it for a little bit and then they kind of get the aha moment. You're like, oh, if I were an artist, like that would be cool for me. <laughs> an NFT, since it can be many different things, it, what makes for a good NFT experience, whether it's art or whether it's a piece of music or a piece of code or or anything how do you make you know the experience of an nft better for someone right yeah i think that you know removing barriers to entry is definitely the first like how do we just make it easier for one like and I think that wallets are kind of changing their UIs to see like, okay, this is confusing. Let's just fix it up. So a lot of these products are still in beta. So it's good to remember that, <laughs> that if it's hard to work with, that's probably because it's new. And a lot of these, you know, are harder to work with, but they're being worked on. So when I joined NFTs in like 2017, the space looked radically different than it is now, basically. Like now you can go on OpenSea, you can have your first NFT in like five minutes with a credit card. But when I first started, like you definitely had to have Ethereum and I didn't know how to make a wallet. And then it just, it keeps adding on to more things that you're like, okay, I have to understand this to be you know safe, to hold this investment. Cause a lot of people do think of it as an investment. So if you're not treating it like how they would treat it in their heart right you can see why that would be like a bad experience and then you get flame war on social media and things like that but you know user expectations are definitely going to be different from project to project right well you hit on something value how do people value nfts like how you know I'm going to become a billionaire. I'm going to take one of my daughter's kindergarten drawings and make an NFT out of it and sell it for millions of dollars. Uh, you know, how, that's not going to work. But I mean, how how do people find value? And maybe you're a new artist and you put up something and it has very little value. And a year later, people all want it. So then it has great value. But how do people determine the value of, of art in the NFT world? Yeah, so personally, I like to encourage everyone to make their own like, okay, what do I want to invest in kind of internal conversations, because everyone's going to look at like what they want to invest in differently. Like if you're really interested in energy, then you might consider more projects that are being like, hey, we're going to create validators if you own our NFT or mining things or if you really are into to like community and you want to, you know, find a community, like you might think about, okay, just buy a board ape. Like their community is very strong. Or even if you couldn't afford that price point, buy like a mutant ape because that has, you know, included their community to be a larger span. So if you don't want like community or technology, then it's probably gonna be like a pure art investment and the art world is 
very odd. Like it doesn't really follow the traditional investment market, but Sotheby's and you know these other you know famous art auction houses are looking into NFTs. So if you were like an art investor, I would say look into what they are looking into as well. And they actually sold a crypto kitty in one of their last auctions. So I think that you know understanding like why a project might be considered like art because that doesn't even look like fine art to compared to what like Sotheby's typically sells. So I think it's, you know, really understanding, like, is this a historical project? Do people really, like, love the creator? Is it just a meme project, like the Nyan Cat? Or, like, <laughs> things of that. So it can definitely vary a lot. But that's what makes the space really unique and, I think, hard to explain to people as well. Because it's saying, like, oh, you can invest in oil and gas and education, but it's all in one little category and it doesn't seem to fit well into people's brains yet. <laughs> You mentioned something a little while ago about scams and tricks and, yeah. and different types of like wallets you got to figure out. What are some of the things that people need to be aware of uh, concerning NFTs and, and what type of scams or tricks are people trying to do? If you were to give someone who doesn't know much about NFTs some advice on what to be aware of, what would those be? Yeah, I would say definitely make multiple wallets, you know, one to just be like, I'm just going to put, you know, like a savings account or something like that. And then one to interact with contracts that you may or may not know if they're malicious, just so that you can, you know, safeguard some of your funds. Like if you're minting an NFT, you definitely don't want all of your super expensive NFTs and funds in the same wallet, right? That could make it be a lot more vulnerable. And if people are DMing you or like things on Discord or Twitter about like, hey, join my project, like it's probably a scam. I'll, I'll just say that. I, I love NFT creators as well. And I don't think that all of us are scammers, but I think you should be able to really connect with the person that it's not like a copy and paste message or, you know, you should really look at their website, like really see what they're saying. Does it seem like somebody made this in like five minutes or... Are they really, you know, active in the community? And I think that, you know, doxing can help. Like I'm doxed, you can call me Riley, that's fine. But it doesn't necessarily mean that a person is like 100% safe if they are doxed. What, what does doxed mean? I've never heard that. Oh, uh, it just means that like you're not anonymous, right? Mm -hmm. So you actually use a name and you've been out there and, and okay. Got, well, yeah. I, would, uh, I would assume it is someone who's trying to pursue an art career you want to have a, a pretty valid, you know, you know, name and recognition because you may be selling your art in other places. And so you'd want to have that. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like, I don't mind at all. I'm definitely willing to talk to a reporter and be like, hi, I'm Riley. But, you know, I'm not everybody. So and some people want to be anonymous and that's OK, too. You can be anonymous and not be a scammer in the space, but you just need to be aware that, like, you have to show up, like you have to add value, right? your community, especially if you're anonymous, to gain that trust, right? One of my favorite food groups is cake. Oh, yes. So tell me a little bit about OmniCake and, and what is it and what is it that you do with OmniCake? Yeah, so OmniCake is... The name is sort of like a play on like words basically of like have your cake and eat it too and having it be everywhere. So it's really a visual company. It's about like the visual arts and visual experiences for sure. 
So um, we work with other, you know, uh, projects or events to, you know, help them, you know, have educated, fun NFT times, definitely. So we were at NFT Expo vs. LA just showcasing my physical art. That was like the last event that we did. We might be in Vegas soon, but yeah. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about the type of, of consulting uh, that OmniCakes would be doing or who would you be normally working with uh, with OmniCakes? Yeah, so I did work with a company um, called Play Runiverse, which is like a play to earn game on Solana for a while, just doing their, you know, community summer fun events and things like that. Um, but I'm also willing to help people out with like their white papers or reach out to journalists because um, my project isn't necessarily every aspect of the NFT space, right? But I can definitely help people with media and helping make sense of the technology. <laughs> I was wondering if um, there was a place or there was a way to trade exclusively 4K, 4K pictures. So I could hang my TV on the wall and display all my 4K NFTs. Because all the NFTs I see are like 200 by 400 or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. So what do you think, Riley? Is, is this a thing or would you like it to be a thing? I would definitely love it to be a thing. Usually when you mint an NFT, there are like two pictures. There's like the preview picture, which is a smaller version of the image. And then like the full size image and the full size image should be like all quality. Or if they don't give it to you as the NFT, they should give you a link to the like very high quality image as like a downloadable or an unlockable or something like that. Um, but I think that's another reason that, you know, NFT marketplaces do have room to innovate, right? We should be able to be like, I only want 4K NFTs. Right. That's all I care about, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would be awesome. I believe I did saw some um, uh, events remotely in LA, which uh, had all of these uh, TVs on the wall, right? Like 10, 20 TVs, and they all showed gorgeous art. And ever since then, I was like, damn, where could I buy these? <laughs> Every time I have to answer, I have no idea. <laughs> and I think it is super cool that like you can display NFTs in your home with those like physical TVs or like there are some products now that are kind of like digital like um, frames and things like that for sure. <laughs> Just add the art everywhere. <laughs> for NFTs, um... Are there any downsides to having NFTs or putting your art as NFTs? Are there challenges or downsides that people need to be aware of? Yeah, I think that, you know, once you have an NFT collection as an artist, um, if you just disappear and you're like, bye, peace, you know, that can definitely hurt, you know, your online presence as an artist later, because this is a community and you don't want to just be like, I'm here and then bye or <laughs> something like that. But also just in the aspect of being safe, like you don't really want to be stressed out that like, oh, I just got drained <laughs> or like, oh, I really need to mint this NFT at three in the morning morning because you will have moments like that if you're continually active in the space like you can't have every mint you will have you'll miss something right so avoiding that like FOMO or you know just having a, like a really strong like mental health day can be really good as well because um 
maybe, you know, your auction doesn't go as well as you thought it was as an artist, or maybe your floor price dips a little bit because, you know, Ethereum dipped a little bit or something like that. So there's a lot that can go on from like the day to day as well that causes stress and can definitely be pursued as like a negative of joining NFTs. But I think that the positives can definitely outweigh that negative. Yeah, I see that with like um, uh, influencer marketing. Uh, a lot of influencers who are producing social media daily or weekly, um, after two or three years, they really are worn out. It's really hard to be a creator uh, who's creating constantly all the time. And to be one of these people who are very popular in a digital community, they have to be on it every day, basically. I mean, uh, it's hard enough work just doing a podcast once a month. I would hate to be some YouTube uh, uh, influencer <laughs> who's having to produce a video a day, um, yeah. right? And, and it seems like for the NFT marketplace, that community or that having an active content flow through social media and other places that NFTs are communicated or communities, right? You have to put in work, very consistent work uh, to add value to your NFT. Is that correct? I, I would say so. And even if you have like a larger like uh, community, if you did like a 10,000 PFP project, for example, if you go to bed, like, okay, that's, you know, somebody's awake time. So if you want to hit Europe and Asia and America in the NFT space and truly have like a global community, then you really need a team of like moderators all watching your discord all the time. So creating that content. Yeah, for sure. If I was going to start, say, producing NFT art. Mm hmm. And I, I assume that I would first have to kind of get my social media channels together and put together what I'm going to display as my personality, my name, and start having conversation. Hey, I'm an artist. Uh, you know, here's some examples of my art. Start that way and then start going into the process of creating NFTs and then talking about it in your community and on your social media feeds, but every day or every other day, putting out some piece of content that says I'm alive, I'm working on stuff. These are the things I'm working on. Uh, I've released my first NFT. This is what it looks like. And you know, that, that thing, and then constant doing it consistently, I, I guess mm -hmm. consistent flow is probably the best advice somebody can do for starting out as a digital artist or trying to produce NFTs. Did, did I get that kind of correct? Yeah, I would say that's the best way to go about it. Like if you show up and you're like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm an artist and I'm gonna start creating NFTs soon, even a little bit earlier before you, you know, release your piece, like that is the best way to start getting integrated within the community before you have your big drop, right? Or your Genesis drop, as some people will say. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, once you have your Genesis drop and you sell your NFTs, right, you can definitely, you know, be there 
you could even post like, you know, not even every day, but like every other day and things like that, just to let people know, hey, you're still alive. And you don't even have to mint, you know, every piece of artwork that you make. If you just want to share a piece of artwork on your timeline and be like, hey, you know, I just created this, like it doesn't have to be that it's for sale, right? So I think that, you know, just showing up as an artist can be helpful, even if you don't like mint it as an NFT, right? Because the community is still going to be like, hey, they're there, they're creating stuff, like they remember us. <laughs> What what's the process for selling an NFT and and how difficult is it? Yeah. So if you never list your NFT, then the only thing that you will get is like if somebody gives you an offer and then you would have to actually accept that offer and then like pay the gas transaction for that. But if you list the NFT, then it's for sale, right? And anybody could be like, I want that, pay the gas and then just own it basically. So, so it's really about the transactions, right? Like, am I listing it or is it just kind of in my wallet and somebody's going to see it and then make an offer? So are there different listing platforms or is listing it just oh, yeah. part of the NFT or maybe talk a little bit about what listing is? Yeah, so there are aggregator sites that kind of look if an NFC is listed anywhere for some of these marketplaces to just put them all in, you know, one box. But if I go to OpenSea, like I can just list it on OpenSea, right? Or um, there are other ones like Rarible and other marketplaces as well. But really, it's just about finding an NFT marketplace. And a lot of them have their own, you know, unique little vibe as well. Like Foundation used to be just like very heavily like one of one serious artists. So if I wanted to be like a one of one serious artist there, I would go mint on Foundation, right? But so kind of seeing like a little bit of like, what is the vibe of the NFT marketplace as well? That can kind of be helpful to being like picking your first marketplace to mint an NFT at. Got it. So, so there's actually research you have to do to figure out what are the marketplaces and then look at each marketplace and figure out, does this fit what you like to do or what you're trying to do? Correct. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely start with OpenSea, kind of the one that everybody knows and stuff, but just know that it's like Amazon. Nobody's going to really see your NFT unless like they're searching for it, right? Because it's so big. If I just made an NFT, minted it, and just stuck it up on any uh, listing place, uh, it would, you know, the odds of somebody saying, oh, wow, I want that. I'm going to buy a, you know, for $5,000 or whatever is pretty low, right? Right. Yeah. Or let's say if you wanted to create your own like minting website, like you might need to hire a developer or use like one of those like launch my NFT websites that'll kind of like do some of the process for you in exchange for maybe some of your royalties or an actual like payment upfront, right, to help you with the software. So I think it depends like, okay, how much time do I have to learn it? <laughs> and then what, how, what's the experience that I want to offer? Is, is it going to be like, a PFP collection where there's a lot of them, or is it going to be like one of ones and maybe there's like, it's a $5,000, but I don't care if it doesn't sell right away or things like that. Got it. Got it. So if you were not a developer and mm -hmm. you wanted to kind of become a developer who could do their own blockchain and NFT work and, you know, besides some basic web 2.0 technologies, what would be the, the things that you would have to learn? What kind of development tools or languages would you need to learn? Yeah, I know Ethereum is very heavy on Java and Solidity, which I think is also a very useful language just to learn Java if you can. So. <laughs> okay, okay. 
Yeah, and then I would look at um, a lot of different like GitHubs that are kind of open source and just see like, okay, what are the open source pe projects people are working on? Because you want to see how other people are, you know, structuring their smart contract and then see how, you know, your smart contract might benefit from that. I, I definitely am an advocate of learning from other people's code as well. <laughs> okay. So you want to try to find some open GitHubs and smart contracts so you can look at those, look at the coding and learn from mm -hmm. that. And then obviously you want to experiment by trying to make your own coding and your own smart contracts. Yeah, and you all on the DevNet, so it's free, but yeah. <laughs> what, what are most uh, smart contracts uh, coded in, Java? Uh, I think Solidity. Solidity, yeah. okay, got it. Well, uh, Riley, thank you so much for uh, helping us understand uh, NFTs and Web 3.0 and and the connection between them and art. Next month, we will have another Screenbox uh, Technology and Business Rundown podcast. Uh, please join us then. Riley, uh, is there any uh, information you'd like if people want to co connect with you or contact you or look you up? Yeah, absolutely. I am Riley Armand on all of my social medias like Twitter, TikTok, or if you want to learn anything more about NFTs. But thank you so much for having me on. I, I really appreciated it. And this has been a great conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs>